Greetings. This is Lara Hoffman's head of marketing here at Diamond Hill, and this is Understanding Edge. Today, I'm joined on the podcast by Douglas Gimple, Senior Portfolio Specialist for our fixed income team at Diamond Hill. We're going to talk about the latest comments from Fed Chair Jerome Powell and how fixed income markets responded as a looming disconnect between the markets and the Fed on the future path of rates unwound. As always, stay safe and stay healthy, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Douglas Gimple. Hi, Doug. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Laura. Great, as always, to be here. And it's been a, a very interesting week, so I'm glad we could get together on the podcast. Indeed. Uh, so we're back to talk with you about the latest in fixed income markets. So far in 2023, we had a positive month in January and a subsequent pullback in February. It seems as though markets continue to respond to what feels like a minute-by-minute analysis of inflation, either cooling or heating up, and the Federal Reserve's presumed response. And I know we're going to cover a lot uh, about what's been driving this, but let's start with what Fed Chairman Jerome Powell conveyed in his remarks to Congress earlier this week. Yeah, it's it's been a really, really interesting week. So Powell first spoke with the Senate on Tuesday of this week and basically laid the groundwork for additional rate hikes, citing strong employment market and slowing disinflation. The market interpreted his comments to mean that there was a very strong chance that we'd see a 50 basis point hike in March. Um, but then the next day at the House of Representatives, he used nearly the same prepared testimony that he had used the prior day at the Senate, but he added the phrase that basically said, nothing's been set in stone and we're going to wait until we have further data before we make any kind of decision. So almost in direct response to the market reaction we saw on Tuesday. So this past week has just been a fascinating study in market expectations and how highly tuned they've become to any type of Fed speak. Early in the week, there were minimal expectations for a 50 basis point hike. I mean, no one was even really talking about it the last couple of weeks, but that changed once Powell addressed the Senate and implied that the Fed wasn't yet done with their hiking cycle and had much more to do. By the end of the day Tuesday, Fed futures were pricing in a 63% chance of a 50 basis point rate hike in March, whereas the day before it was targeted around a 24% chance. Futures then maxed out the chance for a 50 basis point move the next day at 71% before pulling back to around 56% chance by the end of Thursday. So again, kind of all over the place. Uh, Surprisingly weaker jobs data via the highest level of jobless claims in 2023, uh, pushed yields lower near the end of the day on Thursday and into Friday morning. And then this Friday morning, we got the non-farm payroll for February. We had 311,000 jobs added uh, on expectations of 225,000. And there was really only a marginal adjustment lower for both December and January. So pretty pretty hawkish type of of numbers at the headline level. But then you look a little bit deeper uh, and you see that wages rose only 0.2%, which was lower than expected. Uh, and unemployment inched higher to 3.6%. So not a hawkish number, but it's not really a concern. So what does this all mean? This means that there's going to be even more emphasis on next week's CPI reading uh, to help determine expectations for whether we see 25 or 50 basis points on March 22nd. Uh, And as of Friday morning, the market expectations for a 50 basis point hike were back near 44%. So 
almost a, a round trip back to where we started the week, you know, marginally higher, but we've really been kind of all over the place. And that's, that, that's one of the reasons why um, as an investment management firm, we don't try to predict where rates are headed because there are so many different things that can change the market expectations and change the Federal Reserve's plans for the future. It's true. So in your latest fixed income commentary, uh, which is available on our website now, www.diamond-hill.com, you take us all the way back to August 2022 to help understand what we've seen in fixed income markets this year. What's important about taking a look back at where we've been and does something particularly stand out about August of last year? Yeah, I think it's important to look at how things have changed just from August to now with regards to the market expectations and the Fed and how different they were. Uh, and I look at August because that was the Jackson Hole Economic Symposium, which is basically a, a de facto FOMC meeting. Uh, where the Fed has the opportunity, albeit very briefly, to communicate the groundwork for any future changes in policy. And this was the event where Powell basically laid down the law that while higher interest rates would bring pain to households and businesses, it was a necessary evil to bring down inflation that at the time was running near historic levels. That statement set the stage for his communication going forward. The Fed was going to hold the line and raise rates until they deemed inflation was under control, regardless of what the markets were pricing. A few months later, the November statement was used to dissuade the market of the notion that there would be a pause of any kind, which had been gaining a lot of steam um, in the weeks leading up to that meeting. We kept seeing it, it coming through in different headlines about a pause. Um, Powell's December press conference and the accompanying state, uh, statement of economic projections were the most direct comments up to that point regarded, regarding the prospect of rate cuts specifically that there would be none in the foreseeable future. But it was February's press conference, along with strong non-farm payrolls uh, for January and slowing disinflation that finally brought the market in line with the Fed's expectations. And, and I'm going to quote him directly because I think it's a great quote, but he stated, quote, I'm not going to try to persuade people to have a different forecast, but our forecast is it will take some time and some patience, and that we'll need to keep rates higher for longer, end quote. So that's basically Powell saying, we don't care what you think is going to happen. We are going to do what we have stated since August. We're going to continue to do that until we feel that we get inflation under control and that the employment market is starting to, starting to tighten up a little bit. So we covered January performance in detail in your last podcast, and I hope uh, everyone is following along with us. So I don't want to spend too much time there, um, but what happened in January leading into February? Yeah, the first two months of this year have been fascinating from a performance standpoint. So think about this. January delivered the best January monthly performance this century while February delivered the worst February monthly performance over the same time period. January witnessed a rally across all sectors, which was very welcome given you know, the pains that we went through um, during calendar year 2022. So it was a nice kind of a breather after all of the pain that we felt. The rising tide of rallying rates across the curve in January was a benefit to all investment grade asset classes as investor money came back into the market after sitting on the sidelines for parts of, parts of last year. 
As we referenced earlier, the reconciliation between the Fed and market expectations wreaked havoc on the fixed income markets in February, leading to that significantly negative performance that I referenced uh, just a bit earlier. The aggregate index lost 2.59% in February, bringing the year-to-date performance to a very pedestrian 0.41%, nearly offsetting the returns from January. So we're still positive at the end of February, but we had eaten into almost all of what we had gained in January. While the final quarter of 2022 and the first month of January 2023 demonstrated that we may be nearing the final innings of the tightening game, February was a stark reminder of the prospect for extra innings until we reach the final out. With all the focus on inflation, can you share your thoughts on how the consumer is faring and what impact that's having on investment opportunities the team is finding? This is a question that we're getting a lot um, because, you know, as you know, and our investors know that we have a, a sizable allocation to consumer-related securities within our portfolios. Uh, and what we've seen is there's definitely this bifurcation when it comes to the consumer. So inflation continues to be a drag on everyone. Uh, but it is much more impactful on subprime borrowers. So for prime and near prime borrowers, the, the added expense is there, but it's not something that may change their spending habits. For the subprime borrower, it can be incredibly impactful and alter their savings, their debt, or their spending habits. So that's why it's important to be diligent when underwriting various securities that, that have exposure to the consumer, especially when potentially heading into a challenging economic time. You know, so, you know, we look at 30 and 60 day defaults. Those have been migrating higher uh, for those lower, qual lower quality borrowers that I referenced earlier, while prime and near prime borrowers are only now really getting back to kind of pre-COVID levels. And we're assuming that pre-COVID is a time before March of 2020. But, you know, anecdotally, this weekend I was subjected to, you know, the worst possible experience for me. And that would be one, going to an outlet mall and then two, going to a regular mall. Uh, but I love my wife and she wanted to go. So I went with her. Um, but I mention all of this because both places were jammed. And, you know, at the outlet mall, the, the line at Nike was like 30 people deep consistently the whole time that I was wandering around. Uh, and then at the actual mall, it was more of the same. Every store had a line. So it wasn't just that that people were out and about, which is great to see, you know, as we've kind of moved away from COVID, but it was more so that people were spending, you know, they had bags and they were out spending money despite inflation. And that's where that kind of the, the interesting situation that we're in right now is that we've got a great jobs market so far, um, which is helping to mitigate some of that impact of inflation. But back to the original comments and, and the answer to your question is that, from our standpoint, we have to be very selective and you know, we want to make sure that we're monitoring every month the securities that we own that are tied to the consumer um, to see how they're holding up. And there is definitely that, that bifurcation that I mentioned earlier between prime, near prime, and subprime. Doug, I know we always ask you this, but here goes. Since things seem to be changing quickly, what can fixed income investors expect going forward? Yeah, uh, and and for those that have listened uh, to this before, I'll I'll geek out once more, and I'll I'll um, I'll quote or 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 sort of quote Spider Man, with great volatility comes great opportunity, uh, and that is never more true than now. You know the difference between now and the past several years 
is that fixed income now offers a cushion in the form of carry and yield since we've had this reset higher in rates really across the curve. Uh, as Powell has mentioned, it's going to be a bumpy ride, no doubt, uh, as employment, potential geopolitical issues, and inflation numbers in the coming months are going to create those bouts of volatility. I mean, we saw it, as I mentioned, we went, we walked through just this past week, the ebbs and flows of the market based on different economic data that's been coming out. Um, so, you know, we'll be vigilant and, and watching and looking for those opportunities. Um, and then the, the big potential bump that we may run into in the future uh, is the approaching X date for the debt ceiling and how close the US could, could get to defaulting. I don't personally believe that we're going to get to that point, uh, but we have to recognize that we're living through a period in history where the vitriol and the combativeness between the two political parties has, has never been more egregious. And you look back you know, to the late summer of 2011 when the US was last in this position where we were you know, running up against that X date, Treasuries actually rallied uh, leading up to and pushing past the downgrade by S&P, which I believe was August 5th of 2011, and the eventual extension of the debt ceiling. So the asset class that was the most concerning potential default by the U.S. government and treasuries rallied, uh, which is kind of the exact opposite of what you think would happen. Uh, but if we get to that point once more, who knows how the markets are going to react? But at least at this point in time, we have the, the income of fixed income. It's back. Uh, it hadn't been there for almost a decade and a half, really. Fixed income is actually offering income, uh, unlike what had been the case in the past. So, you know, what to expect? I don't know. Uh, and I'm just being honest. We, we have no idea what can happen going forward. Um, from our standpoint, we're going to continue to look security by security, stay away from any kind of interest rate prediction and, you know, take advantage when we see that volatility rear its head in the markets. Well, Doug, I have filled out two boxes on my bingo card. I got a part <laughs> of a quote and Doug shopping at the mall. So thank you for that. <laughs> and thank you for joining us today. We look forward to our next update with you. Yeah, my pleasure. This has been great as always. Thank you.